God's good word for us this morning comes from uh, 1 Kings chapter 19. And if you want to keep that open, we can hear that together this morning. Elijah was a man who was used to being alone. He was used to being alone. He knew what it was like to sit all by himself for not just hours. Elijah sat by himself for days. He sat all by himself for weeks. Those of you who are people, people, can you imagine sitting by yourself for weeks and not talking to anybody? (laughs) That would be terrible. But we know Elijah did it. The first time he showed up on the scene, he walked in out of the desert. He walked into the king's court. He told the king, you're not going to have any water until I say so. And then he walked right back out. And he went right back to the desert. How's that for a job? You're not going to have any water until I say so. And he just walks out. (laughs) That was just the first time Elijah did something so strange in his life. And it's no wonder that he was a lonely man. A couple years after that, it hadn't rained at all. So what did he do? The brook that was there dried up. The brook right next to him dried up. What would you do if the river that you were dependent on dried up? God told him to get rain when you asked for it. I think I would have prayed for rain. You know, the brook's dried up. Dear God, give me some rain. No. What did Elijah do? He didn't walk two or three miles to find the next brook. He walked a hundred miles, more than a hundred miles, across the country, and he went and found a widow. Now, I, I love the widows here. I love you very much, and I I appreciate a lot your generosity. But you would probably not be my first choice if I was starving and I didn't have water. You know, I just wouldn't want to dump that on you. I think I'd find somebody else. But not Elijah. Elijah walked over 100 miles to find a widow. Kind of a strange guy. He stayed there for a while. I'm not sure how long. To the king, he said, King, it's time to find out who is the true God. They collected over 400 prophets for all of the other gods. Elijah stood all by himself, 400 prophets for all the other gods. Elijah's sacrifice was acceptable. The people killed all of the other prophets. And what did Elijah do? He ran away. The queen came to him and said, I'm going to to take your life. Despite the fact that Elijah had just won one of the greatest victories, the greatest religious victories in history, without having to pick up a sword himself, he ran away. And he ran away, not back to the widow that he came from. He ran another hundred miles in a different direction, back into the desert. Elijah liked to be alone. That's all he knew in life. The only place he felt safe, the only place he felt accepted, the the only place he felt at peace was sitting in the desert alone. That doesn't mean he was happy. That doesn't mean that he was in any way happy. I know a, a lot of us end up sitting alone and we don't like it. We feel lonely. We feel ignored. 
We feel like people don't think about us and what we're going through. They're not paying attention to the, the challenges of our life. Whether you're were a man or a woman, whether you're a boy or a girl, it's one thing to be alone for a while and, and, and reset, but to be alone for hours and for days and for weeks and for months on end, that's hard. Even though Elijah did it all the time, I don't think he liked it. And we can tell he didn't like it from this word that God gives us today. God shows us that Elijah was not a happy man. And that's what we want to look at, Elijah's failure. You think a man who was used to being alone, he could be able to handle it. He'd know what to do. But he failed. He failed to live alone. And yet God used his failure in a wonderful way. And that's what we want to see today, the failure of despair that came over Elijah. This is from 1 Kings chapter 19. And you can look at verse 4. It's, it's the key verse. Elijah ran away and he said he came to a bush, a broom bush. Take out your brooms, everybody. Sweep the bush. He sat down under it and he prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. This is Elijah's prayer. I've had enough. Have you ever prayed that prayer? Or have you ever said that? I've had enough. I've heard a lot of people say that over the years. Maybe you've said it. I want to show you two ways that Elijah's words were different. Did you catch him? How was Elijah's words different? First, he said, take my life. He didn't just say, I'm giving up my life, did he? He said, take my life. Do you feel that? What was Elijah trying to say? Elijah is not just emptying himself of, of his own life. He's on the very edge of committing suicide, isn't he? This is the first thing that, that we almost need to learn about this despair. And, and it gets borderline that it's not right. Elijah wants his life taken away. But the second thing he says is much better, much smarter, because Elijah goes on and he says, I am no better than my ancestors. What makes it awful when you are all alone and you feel like, man, I've just had enough in life? One of the terrible realizations is to know that you're no better than all the other people that have come before you. I remember when I was working one of my my jobs and thinking to myself, man, we're going to get get these problems fixed. I know that the people before us worked hard. They had good tools. They did a good job. But I think, I think we got some new energy. We got some youth. We got new tools. And we can fix all those old problems. And you can imagine what happened five years, ten years down the road. I was smashed. Why? Because we didn't fix any of the problems. And we caused more problems. It's debilitating. It's just so disheartening, isn't it? to realize that you're no better than the people that came before you. The Bible tells us often not to despair. For example, there was, there was a woman that uh, was having a, uh, having a child and she was sick and she was, thought may, she maybe would lose the child and she might even die herself. And the midwife looked at her and said, don't despair, you, you've had a son. The Apostle Paul tells us 
that he was hard-pressed and he was perplexed, he was crushed, he was confused on every side. And yet, he says, we weren't despairing. We did not fall into despair. So the Bible shows us that despair is not okay. And yet, the Bible also tells us that sometimes this despair, like Elijah had, this despair is good for us. This despair is, is the right thing. The Apostle Paul, another time, the same man who said we were perplexed, but we did not despair, another time he said, we faced such pressure that we learned to despair of life itself. This is Paul in first, Second Corinthians chapter 1. We were under such great pressure, far beyond our ability to, dis- to endure, so we despaired of life itself. Have you ever said that? Have you ever felt like that? Like, John, like Elijah is here saying, I'm really no better than the people before me. That's not a failure. We need to hear that in this lesson. It's not wrong for, as Elijah said, to say, I'm no better than my ancestors. And it's not wrong to say, I've had enough. I've heard people say it, and maybe you have as well. I think about a man that I I spent time with, and he was getting to the end of the rope in his life. He had tried every possible opportunity, and he looked at me and he said, I'm going to lose it all. I think I'm going to lose it all. I'm going to lose my house. I'm going to lose my car. I'm going to lose my job. I'm going to lose my my family, my spouse. I'm going to lose it all. You know, and I had to look at him right back in his face, and I said, yeah, you probably are going to. You probably will. Have you ever had to say that to somebody? Have you ever maybe even felt that yourself? The Bible is telling you and I that, hey, there are some times where we have to realize, yes, we will lose it all. We're no better than the people who came before us. And it's not wrong to say, it's not bad to say, I've had enough. I'm going to lose it all. Or or I think of the person, the man I, I looked at, who looked at me and he said, you know, I don't know how I'm going to live without my family. There was a man whose life was so tied up in his family, he had no idea how to live apart from his family. And and it's good to love your family, right? It's good to to depend and to rejoice on your family. but, But we also know you can get too tied into your family, can't you? And here he says, I've had enough. I'm no better than the people in front of me. Every one of us gets into a point sometimes in our lives, don't we, where we, where we think for whatever reason that we're going to get the problems in life fixed, that we're going to do well, that we're going to get it all right. And yet Elijah shows us that sometimes it's not that despair is a failure, it's that we can fail to see our own failure. We can fail to despair of ourselves. And what Elijah does when he despairs of himself and his old life, he finally hits, he hits bottom, right? He hits that rock bottom where he realizes that his own life will not save himself. So God came to Elijah in not an earthquake, not a fire, but what? Just a little breath of wind. You ever think about how powerful that is? How amazing that is? God came 
to Jesus in an earthquake. Jesus died on the cross and the earth shook. God consumed Jesus on the cross in a fire. He burned him all up in the fire of his wrath and he experienced what it was like to really have be judged. God came to Jesus with a loud booming voice, a voice that said, you're not my son anymore. Also that you and I would just hear from the Father a whisper. Also that you and I at the, the waters of baptism would hear the whisper of a voice that says, I love you. You're my son and I love you. Also that you and I would hear from God the voice that whispers at us and says, you're my beloved and I've chosen you. What keeps you from falling into despair? Not the despair of your own life, but that despair that would make you quit on life. It should be that voice, that voice that whispers at you and says, you're my son, you're my daughter, I love you, and I will never quit on you. Friends, it's okay to despair of ourselves. We don't have anything that we'll, we can give to God that will fix our lives. But it's not okay for you and I to despair of, of life itself, to quit on life, because God has set aside in Jesus his anger so that he can come to us and he can whisper to us, you're my son, you're my daughter, and I will never leave you. I will never forsake you, and I will always be with you. Despair. Yes, despair of yourself, but don't despair of life. One of my favorite examples of this, my favorite examples of this was a, a man named Charles Blondin. Charles Blondin, he tried to, he wanted to cross over Niagara Falls. And I think I've, I've told you this event before, this example before. Back in the 1850s, Charles wanted to walk a tightrope across the Niagara Falls. Can you imagine doing that? Tightrope across Niagara Falls? And, and so he, he did it and he turned it into a big show. And he would carry with him a barrel over his shoulder. Eventually, he pushed a wheelbarrow across the, uh, the, the Niagara Falls. And then he was getting near the end of his time there. And so what he, he, it was, he had to have one big last show. One big show to make all this money. So he and his producer talked and they said, well, what are we going to do? Let's have you carry somebody over on that tightrope over the falls. They put an ad in the newspaper and they advertised for weeks trying to find somebody who would let Blondin put him on his shoulders and carry him over the, the falls. And at first, it looked like there would be hundreds of people who wanted to try. A whole crowd of people showed up on this day when Blondin was going to carry people over the falls. But, but nobody would do it. He got there and he started going down the line. He said, you know, will you let me carry you? No, I, I can't do it. Will you let me carry you? No, no, I, I can't do it. And, and eventually, he was running out of people there, but he, he got an idea. He found one man. One man, he looked at everybody and he said, do you believe that I can carry you across this falls? And the man said, okay, okay. And so he got up on his back, and Blondin started walking across the tightrope over the falls. And the man at first was, was trying to help Blondin out, right? He was trying to 
correct and fix the imbalances. And Blondin said to him, look, you've got to stop. Stop that. You have to trust me with your whole life. He said it this way. He said, until I clear this place, you must become part of me, mind, body, and soul. And if I sway, you must rest in me completely and sway completely with me. Don't attempt to do any balancing yourself. If you do, we shall both go down to our, your death. Blondin said to the man, you've got to rest in me. And Jesus has said, rest in me. Jesus has said, lose your life. Just like Blondin said, you've got to lose your life to me and, and trust me completely. Friends, that's what despairing of our own lives is. It's that we say with Blondin and with Jesus I trust in you completely, not in myself. One of the, my favorite ways to remember this is this picture, and we keep these cards sitting out on the uh, desk out there, where we learn to give our unrighteousness to Jesus, and he gives his righteousness to us. We exchange it. We count on him completely, and we give up our own good things. And maybe this is something that you want to take and help you remember so that you don't despair, but you despair of yourself and you depend solely on his life. So take one of these cards with you today. Pick it up at the table out there. Take it home. Don't despair. Just despair of yourself, of your own life, and trust completely in his. Let's pray for that together. Lord Jesus, you have shown us that we don't need to despair of our lives, of life itself. You are with us, just like you were with Elijah, and he didn't need to quit. But you have shown us that too often we depend on ourselves, we depend on our own power, our own strength, and our own abilities. And like Elijah, we need, to, we need to learn to say, I'm no better than my ancestors, I'm no better than everybody else. I trust in your righteousness alone. Thank you for giving us your righteousness, so that we can rely, we can trust solely on you for all that we need in life. We pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen.